Scott Patterson is a veteran turned entrepreneur who founded Tumble with a mission to modernize laundry. Scott discovered that shared laundry needed some serious help, thus launching his journey as an entrepreneur and founding Tumble in 2019. Tumble is now scaling nationwide and will soon debut a new pickup and delivery service that will further allow laundry, the number one most important amenity, to create value for apartment managers and owners, residents, and gig workers. Coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. At Navy Federal Credit Union, every day is Veterans Day. They have a growing community of over 1.8 million veterans like you. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash veterans. Talking to Marine Corps veteran Scott Patterson, founder of Tumble, which is a modernized laundry, let's say. Um, Scott, got some good things to talk about before we do all that. Take us back. Tell us what you did in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me on, Joe. Um, so I, I joined the Marine Corps three days after my 18th birthday. I actually was going to go to Arizona State and play lacrosse and be a political science major. Uh, uh but kind of towards the end of my senior year of high school, I, I decided I didn't want to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I walked into the recruiting office and I said, I was only going to join if they, uh, let me be infantry. Yep. And, um, so yeah, so he was very happy. He gave me a educational bonus and a whole, <laughs> whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, cause I, I was, you know, I had good grades and all that stuff. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, so I, I joined the infantry. Um, I actually joined on a reserve contract. So this is, this is a very nuance of 2008 when I joined, uh-huh. I joined on a reserve contract. I ended up spending three years on active duty, um, almost immediately. So, huh. you know, going through the pipeline, going to boot camp, going to SOI, um, immediately getting activated and deployed, coming back, um, doing some other kind of random stuff, did recruiting, did like, I don't know, they had me doing all sorts of random, random things. Um, yep. but by the time I got back from Ramadi, I really wanted to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> college doesn't seem so bad anymore. huh? Yeah. College was, uh, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't so bad. So I, um, you know, finished, wrapped up everything with active duty in order to drop back to the reserves, um, joined, joined into that whole lifestyle, which was very weird for me. Um, and I went to college. I went to up to Chico. I had a friend who, uh, was up there going to school and Chico's in Northern California. It's mm-hmm. a state college, one of the gajillion state colleges in California. Yeah. Um, and originally I wanted to be a, like a firefighter paramedic, I think is what I decided on. Um, and so I took an EMT class and then I, in order to become a paramedic, you have to take physiology and in order to take physiology, you have to take chemistry. Um, so I took the chemistry class, really enjoyed it and, uh, decided to go get my degree in, in biochemistry. Um, all the while still getting activated and deployed and sent all over the place. So, um, 
which was a lot of fun uh, to be totally honest. It's a good, good, uh, good time. Yeah. Um, so I got through, uh, kind of the end of college, uh, took, you know, solid four years and, um, decided, I actually decided I was going to be pre-med got kind of the end of college. And as you can f- probably figure out, I was pretty burnt out on college, yep. uh, after doing the whole thing. So I, um, had an opportunity to go to MARSOC, um, went through assessment selection, uh, unfortunately didn't, didn't get selected at the end of all of it. Um, so then I, I kind of returned back and was like, well, what am I going to do? You know, uh, and got a great job at Genentech as a chemist, um, making monoclonal antibodies, which are, you know, very popular these days. Yeah, Everybody knows what those are nowadays, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so originally for monoclonal antibodies, um, the only thing that we could get as an industry them approved for was cancer, cancer drugs. Hmm. Um, and they were very effective. Uh, Genentech did a fantastic job, um, with those, those treatments pretty widely used. And, um, you know, at that time I was kind of like, yeah, I got a good job. It's probably time to get in the Marine Corps. I've been in for nine years at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said that I had to go to Japan. They said I had to go to Japan. So I, uh, got involuntarily activated, uh, and sent to Japan, um, which ended up being a pretty good gig. Um, I was a ops chief for uh, one of the, the line companies and, uh-huh. um, got to do some pretty cool training, got a lot of leeway to create, create training packages, um, that ended up being pretty, pretty cool. Uh, and some of them were actually very cold cause we were at Mount Fuji in the winter. Mm. Um, but yeah, so while I was over there, my buddy, um, had started Accenture, uh, as a consultant and he had, you know, he was kind of my first, um, exposure to startups. Really. He had, mm-hmm. he had a startup, a fitness startup, um, that, you know, they, they ended up not being able to raise money for, um, but had kind of, you know, been around and seen the story and heard the story and, and talked to him about it. Um, and so he started at Accenture and he said, Hey, you know, like Accenture is pretty cool. Um, they have a military program. You should interview for it. Um, so I, I actually drove out of the field while I was in Japan and, uh, took an interview at three in the morning, um, Zoom back at, back in main side. <laughs> and, uh, you know, basically it sounded like I had the job, right. It was sound like I had a job waiting for when I got back, um, drove back out the field, completed, you know, everything came back. And the idea was that, you know, there was going to be like a month of time where I would be back and then I would get out of the Marine Corps and start this job. And so my, my friend in San Francisco, uh, was very kind. He said, you can sleep on my couch for that month, um, till you're on your feet and everything. I was like, you know, fantastic. So, um, got back and, uh, the job did not materialize, uh, quite as the way that they said. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, the start date ended up being October instead of March. So oh, wow. I slept on my friend's couch for, for about six months. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it was, it was a good, you know, we're, we're very good friends and he was very kind, uh, to let me do that. Um, but sort of in the interim, that's when, uh, 
sort of tumble came to to fruition. Um, that's where the the sort of idea was. And you know, if you ever lived in a barracks, uh, you you know what shared laundry is. You you've used the shared laundry rooms. Mm-hmm. I would say in the military, there's there's like rules. You know, I in the Air Force, I hear there's very nice rules where they'll even fold your clothes and do all sorts of crazy stuff. But <laughs> You know, I feel like in the Marine Corps, it was more like, uh, you know, you just don't touch other people's stuff. And like, you know, if, if it's done, like go find the person and uh, they'll come and get their stuff or whatever. Yeah. But, you don't want to be folding your buddy's skivvies and right. or, or just, yeah. or we just take it out of the dryer and dump it on the floor. Yeah. But if you did that, I will literally throw you out of the window. So, <laughs> um, you know, that was the whole thing. And, and so I got, I got, got to San Francisco and not only were we paying like $5 a load of laundry, like three bucks a wash, two bucks a dry, but it was just a free for all. And like these machines were just broken all the time. The card systems never worked. Like if, even if I wanted to pay, I couldn't. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is, this is and like, there's no customer support. You can't get a hold of anyone to fix anything. Yep. And, and eventually the, card system that you use to load up your card got stolen out of the wall of, of this apartment I was living in. And so for like six weeks, I had to use a laundromat around the corner. Huh. And that was like, that was it. Like I, I was like, oh, I, I don't care what I have to do, but I'm destroying this. <laughs> like this is the most ridiculous thing ever. And so, so sleeping on the couch was no big deal, but having to do laundry in the laundromat, that's where the problem was. Well, I mean, I literally watched a homeless guy come in after like a a rain and he opened up someone's dryer as it was going and threw his wet, dirty Uh. stuff in with all of that person's (laughs) clean stuff. (laughs) And it was quarter driven, you know, so I, and I had to find quarters. Like it's like, there's just like one thing after another. Yeah. Where I was just like, how, and this is 2019, like this isn't even that long ago. Like how in 2019 does this even exist? Like how, how is this even a conceivable way of doing business and living right now? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, you know, I did kind of a marketing, you know, I was going to go be a consultant at Accenture. So I was like, all right, like, let me, let me knock some dust off of, uh, of here and, and and do like a market analysis. And I did a market analysis and it was huge. I mean, the market's just huge. Huh. Interesting. Wow. All right. Hold that thought. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Veterans day comes every year, but companies rarely thank veterans in a way that's meaningful and veterans definitely deserve to be thanked in a meaningful way. And Navy federal credit union every day is veterans day. They thank veterans in a way that's meaningful. As a Navy Federal member for over 32 years, I can tell you that they get the military. They offer resources like VA Loans Hub and Best Cities After Service. They offer veteran employment assistance partnerships with nonprofits like The Mission Continues. They're a top VA home lender. They offer personal finance counseling. They offer 24-7 member service. They have a growing community of over 1.8 million veterans like you. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash veterans, insured by NCUA, an equal housing lender. Hey, back talking with Marine Corps veteran Scott Patterson, founder of Tumble. All right, so Scott, you're you're having a big pain point doing laundry. You're like, I'm going to disrupt the laundry industry and modernize all this stuff. You did your market analysis. You're like, holy cow, 
there's an opportunity yeah. here. So walk, walk us through the steps of how you entered the laundry industry from there. Yeah. I mean, so the first, the first part was just research, right? Like the, the numbers. So first of all, the governing organization for this industry is called the coin laundry association. So immediately off the bat, I was like, <laughs> okay, this, this, in this whole thing is so old that the governing body still has the word coin in it. Still has coin in it. <laughs> I had no idea there was a governing association for coin operated laundry facilities. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you go look at like the NAICS code for this stuff, it's called coin operated laundries. Really? Yeah. The I mean, NAICS code is like a, that's like a government. That's like the government list of uh, different codes for all the industries of business that are out there. Exactly. Very official yeah. government publication or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's how like banks categorize <laughs> industries and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I, I was like, okay, I can't be the only one that has this problem. So I would, I would walk around San Francisco and, you know, meeting people and I'd ask them, I'd be like, Hey, like, Hey, do laundry. And most of them were like quarters and they're like, it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, I was well, here. We are supposed to be in this like tech Mecca of yeah. the world and people are doing their laundry with quarters. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I kind of put together this feature set pain points, you know, I, and I taught, I talked to like hundreds of hundreds of people. Um, and there was very consistent feedback. Like they wouldn't be able to see what machines are available. They want to pay with a credit card. They want to be able to get notified when things are done and they don't want other people to touch their stuff. Mm -hmm. So that is basically the feature set that I went out to build. Um, So very quickly incorporated the company. It was originally called clarified because I thought that was like, you know, like a good name, like you're going to clarify clothes, but then everyone was just like, it's clarified butter is what came up over and over again. Yeah. That doesn't ring laundry. Tumble. How'd you come up with <laughs> yeah. that one? That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Tumble. I mean, it, it's one of those things that you just kind of go through and talk to people and, you know, tumble came up and I was like, well, that's a pretty good one. Huh. So, um, yeah, filed a trademark, got our product going. Um, you know, even, even started kind of some pickup and delivery ideas early on there. And, you know, w- w- I ended up raising like 50 grand from friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, and put a straw man room together. And the best part is like with the straw man room, we got our first contract and uh, it was supposed to be installed. Straw man room. What's a straw man room? It's like, you know, it's an example, right? So Uh it's probably not a scalable, like a minimal viable product. Like, yeah. So you had laundry machines in a room somewhere that was app driven. Like you could download an app and you could use those machines. Oh, okay, cool. Um, if I wanted to use that system in another building, it wouldn't have worked. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. for that one room and that experience that we were trying to build, um, that's, that's what we got going. Okay. And so I got a contract for that, for that one, one property. And it was the install was supposed to be April of 2020. Um, so I had, at, you know, started, started working at Accenture was doing kind of tumble on the side. Um, you know, just sort of the product development and, and, uh, you know, had, had some developers kind of working for me, um, had a product development company here in San Francisco doing some of the hardware stuff. Um, and we, we got that thing together 
Then March 15th of 2020, San Francisco is in a lockdown because of, of the COVID pandemic. So mm-hmm. um, I kind of wrote it off to be totally honest. I was like, you know, this probably not a great time to start a startup. You know, stock market's crashing. Yeah. Everyone's in lockdown. World's ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just ended up working and I got bored after about a week of working uh, pretty hard. And I started teaching myself to code. Um, started tinkering with hardware myself. Um, you know, Bob wall, who's now our CTO was an advisor at the time. So I would talk to him about, Hey, how do I do these things? How do I, what are, what are the, what are some of the coding languages I should learn? You know, what wh- for the system that we've talked about and architected, like wh- what would be good tests? And so I just taught myself, I literally just like got a code Academy membership and huh. Every evening, every weekend, I'd clickety clack away on my computer and, and learn yeah. a little bit more and get a little bit more advanced. And eventually got to a place where I was just, you know, good enough to be dangerous. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in July or about June, I took a vacation and I started emailing investors again. And uh, one of those happened to be Peng Ao, who is the uh, founder and CEO of Veritas. Um, one of the largest property owners slash managers here in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, so my deck kind of went across his, his desk and, uh, in July of 2020, something that none of us ever thought would have happened, would have happened. A coin shortage happened and overnight quarters disappeared. 80% of this industry is driven by quarters. I I remember that going on. Like all the drive-thrus were saying, we need coins. We need like what, what caused that? Just a side effect of the COVID shutdown? I have, I have no idea. So okay, yeah. uh, the theory that sounded like it's plausible, like don't, don't quote me on this, but like um, because people were mostly paying with credit cards, the circulation of coins stopped. And since the circulation of coins stopped, there was no distribution, like literally like all the coins that you had because you're staying at home and you're sitting there, they stayed at home with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made mm-hmm. coins basically disappear. Interesting. Um, which I mean, that sounds plausible. I, I sure not a treasury expert. Um, so yeah, so they had 300 properties. Uh, they had started canceling all their contracts with the incumbent companies because they were so tired of them and they were installing quarter machines. And then all of a sudden there's no quarters. So they basically were like, Hey, like, can you do a few properties or 10 properties? We have 300 properties. And I was like, yes, <laughs> let's start with a couple of properties. I had three washers and four dryers at that time. I was like, let's start with a couple, yeah. couple of properties. And so, and so the, the mechanism, yeah. like the, the functionality or the, the black box that you had on your washing machine and drying machines, like, you were able to get that manufactured somewhere or no, I was doing it myself. Um, I actually was soldering it all together myself at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Was it just credit card or was it like, you know, the, the, no, it was after, I mean, it was credit card. So we used Stripe as a, the payment processor. Um, but it was, it was an app. Like you literally, there was like a little app that you could download and, um, enter your credit card information and it would start the machine. Really? Could you yeah. do like the, uh, you know, Apple pay Wi-Fi stuff? Didn't on have Apple pay or? back okay. then. We didn't have Apple pay. We didn't have notifications. Those were the two things that, okay. um, in that sort of early phase, but you could, 
certainly see if the machines were available before you went and you could certainly pay for them with a credit card. Huh. And so, and, and we had a locking mechanism so you could lock the dryers, which kept close secure. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, with those three things, you know, we solved 75% of the pain points that we had talked about. So, um, you know, very easy to go to market with that. And, um, it was bumpy. It was bumpy to scale into multiple, multiple buildings. Uh, sure. I think David and I joked about this on, on my podcast where, uh, I think a lot of people got some free laundry for a few, few weeks, uh, <laughs> as things weren't working. Um, but then, you know, then it took off. And so we were able to raise some more money, uh, Hivers and Strivers, which is a veteran focused fund invested as well as the PenFed foundation and, uh, state of golf kind of led that one. Um, and so we got like 200 grand that allowed us to buy some more machines. And then we kind of scraped by and, uh, got another investment and another investment, another investment. Um, now we're in hundreds of hundreds of buildings, thousands of users. Um, we're in all of California, Texas, Chicago, and now New York city. So, um, from three washers and four dryers to, uh, a whole different thing. Really just a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it was really over the last probably year, I would say that we've, that we've really grown. Uh Um, it took a long time for us to fundraise. Uh, no one was going to invest my crazy laundry idea in, uh, in 2020 or 2021. And that was mostly the COVID thing that was holding you back, right? I mean, it was just off or or was it the idea? The, in 2021, there was a lot of money circulating, but it was all very much focused in sort of certain industries, right? And so web three was kind of the hot thing. And, uh, I had a laundry company. So, um, and on top of it, you know, like I'm a first time founder, there's a huge hardware component to this. Um, there's, you know, they look at this and say, Oh, this is capital intensive. You got to buy the washers. You got to put the hardware in blah, blah, blah. To do the math, this is like one of the best businesses out there. So hmm. for me, that was always kind of the solace of like, look, like they just don't understand. And that has nothing to do with me and this business. Like, yeah, it's more about their ability to, to see opportunity than, than me. So how big is the, we don't want to call it coin operated laundry industry, but you know, public laundry industry, whatever you may, you know, whatever. So on use. paper, they call it 5 billion a year. Uh, if you apply in all the unreported, uh, earnings, I'm sure it's far more. Um, (laughs) if you also layer in commercial laundry and pick them delivery, that adds a quite a, quite a significant amount. But I think the key here, and this is what we're working on at tumble is these, these rooms are everywhere, right? And they're wildly underutilized laundromats are wildly underutilized. A a good laundromat turns five times a day. So a machine in a laundromat will spin five times a day. That means that there's like 19 hours that the machine is doing nothing. So uh, um, for us, what we're building is a way to utilize these rooms better. And we think that's through pick up delivery. And the whole idea being like, I don't like doing laundry. I'm, and I run a laundry company. Um, I don't mind doing laundry. I just don't want to do the folding. See, that's, that's all the part of point. The yeah, I just throw it on the ground. That's how I <laughs> deal with that. Um, but so the whole thing is like, if, if, if there's a convenience and a price point where no one will do laundry, how do we get to that convenience and price point? 
how do we get that consistent quality? How do we build software to do that? And that's as yeah. 100% what we're doing. We've launched pickup and delivery, uh, a beta program here in San Francisco, um, where we have people, you know, residents of our properties doing other people's laundry. We're bringing in outside loads from busy people, parents, you know, professionals, um, people who have budget to, you know, it's literally not worth their time to do their own laundry. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have people that are able to work from home, um, which has typically been precluded from gig gig work. And it creates a whole new economy. It creates a whole new way for people who are maybe stay at home moms that need to um, generate some extra cash or not even stay at home moms, stay at home parents, right? Maybe people that are, you know, just maybe they have a physical disability that doesn't allow them to do some sort of outside work. So Mm -hmm. this is opening this whole new opportunity using these rooms, these very underutilized assets. And it's a win-win for property management because it drives more revenue through these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're able, we're the only company that has the data that's able to show where the excess capacity is. Like if you live in our building, Joe, I would be like, Joe, I know you're going to go do laundry Thursday at 5 35 PM mm-hmm. and your creature habits. You're probably going to do that every single Thursday at 5 35 PM. Mm-hmm. We have about a 90% confidence interval. So huh. um, with that, we're able to very much be like, okay, well that means before five 30 and after call it seven, we have all this open availability. So how do we fill that? And you can fill that by someone who does it, someone else's laundry. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, th- think about like, think about the Marine Corps. Like uh, if you're on the ship, ship's laundry, you're not doing your own laundry. You, you put it in a bag and you get it back in a bag, all matted up and half the time it's not quite dry. I mean, that's you know, it's funny. So I spent 11 years in Marine Corps. I never set foot on a Navy vessel. I was on a few ships for short periods of time. I never did an actual MU deployment, but I mean, yeah. all everybody around me was doing them too. So yeah, ship's laundry, you know, you got, you got to have your name and last for your SSN on the, back of your uniforms and everything. So, um, and then Iraq, Afghanistan, you didn't do You drop your laundry off at the contract laundry place and get it back at the yeah. end of the day or the next day, exquisitely folded and pressed. KBR. It was, yeah. It was like, a, it was like a luxury. Not yeah, doing your own absolutely. laundry in Iraq well, and Afghanistan. So the the real deal. problem is that we had to bring our laundry to where the laundry's done. Right. So <laughs> yeah, depending on where like, you were, you had to bring it to Camp Ramadi to get your laundry done, mm-hmm. which means you basically would have a, MRAP full of just bags of dirty laundry. Yeah. And then, I mean, a couple of places that I was staged, like I was at the basic school, you could drop your laundry off at the local laundromat and these ladies would Man. do your laundry for you and fold it all up and you pick it back up on Sunday afternoon when you come home or whatever. Yeah. Um, what is it? Kate K town or something like that. At, uh, yeah. Q town. Q-Town. Yeah, right. Q-Town. Um, and then you know, when we had four teenagers in the house, we've, at one point I figured out every one of them was using a different towel every time they took a shower. And <laughs> my wife had like, she's like, this is going to be 16 loads of laundry. I'm literally going to have to be doing laundry uh, all throughout the weekend to get this done. And I'm like, you know what? Let's take it down to the laundromat. We'll drop it off. It costs like 100, 120 bucks or something. Yeah. Freed up a whole weekend. Totally worth yeah. it. And so every once in a while we would get, 
if we got behind on a laundry program, we'd take it down there. So yeah, do it. Having other people do laundry is definitely, uh, worth the while, especially the folding. <laughs> I, I hate the folding. <laughs> See, I just don't do it. I'm just, you know, <laughs> it's just, if, if you could invent a way to do your laundry where you, it would, it would somehow come out folded and already on hangers or folded, then you would be a you know multimillionaire. Well, I mean, so that's, that's the direction, right? So I, yeah. I think that the fact that we take up square footage in a house for a laundry room is insane. I think the fact that we take up square footage in an apartment, you know, I mean, we're talking like 10 square foot. I yeah. mean, like that could be 10, you know, that that's like, I mean, it's probably more than 10 square feet. It's probably more like, well, I remember like, like early four, on like 16 square feet, like early on in college, I quickly determined laundry was a huge ass pain and I, I could not take the time yeah. or the pain to do it. So I'm, or to go to a public laundry. So every place I ever had in, in college and thereafter, I made sure I had hookups for a washer and dryer. And that summer I was working at a moving company and we were moving some people out and they're like, yeah, laundry washer and dryer for sale. I bought for like 150 bucks. I bought a washer and dryer. I always yeah. had my own washer and dryer thereafter because I was not go to a public laundry. There's yeah. no way the time consumption was just a killer. Well, I mean, but like the, even having it at home, like you, like you said, the, you actually yeah. don't get w away from the time, the time problem. But so. at least you're in your own, ha you know, your own place. Or I mean, just, it was just a much, a huge convenience having it in your own place. But right. yeah, the, you, there was still the pain factor of the laundry. So for, for me, like, I think we get to a place here where we don't even have in unit washers and dryers, right. Where it's so normal. So if you go literally anywhere else in the rest of the world, you're not doing your own laundry. Like really, it's very common everywhere else to send your laundry out. Only in the United States are we building, you know, $30,000 laundry rooms so that you can have a folding table and like, those stupid jars with the soap in it, you know? So like it would, the, the, and the problem in the United States is it's convenience, it's price and it's quality. Mm -hmm. And none of those are consistent wherever you go. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to standardize all of that and put it at a convenience and price point that people would literally be like, yeah, I'm not doing my laundry. Like I am going to go, to dinner. I'm going to go spend time with my kids. I'm going to go make money. Yeah. I'm going to go like the opportunity. So the average American spends 225 hours a year doing laundry. <laughs> Women will spend 325 hours doing laundry in a year. Yeah. So there's, there's a chore gap is what it's called between men and women. Yeah. Well, and the opportunity. If you make more than $20 an hour, it's literally not worth your time to go do your laundry. Um, yeah. But like my wife does all the laundry. I mean, she complains about it, but anybody else jumps in, tries to do laundry. It's not good enough. I mean, she does phenomenal laundry. She's a great, great folder. She's really good at it. So no one touches the laundry except her, but, right. but, but she can work it. She can work it in and time it where she's got to load in the washer, load in the dryer. She's going to do this other thing. And then she's folding while she's watching something on TV and it, it all, it just kind of all gets integrated with whatever else she's doing. And it just, She's just good at getting it done. But um, you know what else is ridiculous about laundry is washers and dryers. Yeah. You've got these phenomenally complex electronic 
washers and dryers that do all this crazy stuff. No one ever uses any of that. It, a washer sloshes your clothes around in soapy water and spins the water out and a dryer yeah. spins and applies heat. That's right. all it is. And you get all these fancy electronics up there just so they can charge you two grand for a washing machine. I mean, it's totally unnecessary. Well, and they're consumable. So like commercial machines are totally repairable. You can replace pretty much everything in it. Mm. Um, a consumer machine is not like that. You, you can be almost never repair them. Um, because of those fancy electronics. If you buy like yeah. a, if you buy like a simplified on off one or two option machine, those, those are, and over the years, you know, when I had my own washer and dryer, I, I figured out how to take the thing apart and replace the, replace the, uh, the, the bearings on the drum, you know, and the dryer that yeah. went bad or replace the pump at the bottom of the, you know, the, the thing that makes it twist around on the washer. I mean, yeah, yeah. I've done all that, but the electron, the fancy electronic stuff, you can't touch that. If something goes right. wrong, you could take a power surge things fried. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, but that is, that is the, the, the way that things are going, right. If mm -hmm. Elon gets his way, right. And we have self-driving cars and, you know, all this stuff. Self-cleaning um, laundry. Yeah. Well, no, if anything that is dirty, dangerous, or dull is going to get automated. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing more dull than laundry. Oh yeah. So what, what is going to happen? And this is not, this is not speculation. Like this is what's going to happen. And I can tell you that because this is literally what we're building hmm. is that the price point of sending out your laundry is going to drop. And it's literally going to get to a place where you're going to look at your $2,000 set of washers and dryers and you're going to look at pushing a button on tumble and you're going to be like, why the hell would I replace these things? It's not worth my time. It's not worth the upfront cost. Really? It's not worth any of this. So, so in, a, in a lot of locations, like right now in a lot of locations, can you get your laundry done via tumble? Somebody comes. It's only in it San Francisco right now. So like I said, okay. it's a beta test. But that's what but, you're aiming for. But our target is a price point that everyone would use. And we're currently doing an hour and a half turnaround time. Uh, hour and a half. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it takes an hour and a half to, for the washer and dryer to cycle through. It's pretty quick. Yeah. Right. Because if you manage the, if you manage like the pickup through an on-demand uh, logistics company like DoorDash or Nash or any of those, Right. So mm -hmm. that means you push a button. Someone's literally coming to your door. They're picking up that laundry. They're taking that to our facility where there is a waiting person ready, ready to do it. That's mm. immediately going into a washer. Yeah. It's running through our process because we own the machines. We own the process. And it's coming right back out, getting folded and sent right back. Because all this is already happening in the dry cleaning industry. You know, dry, it's been, it's been in the dry cleaning world for a long time, but most people don't view their regular clothes as being something they would send out, but people send out dry cleaning all the time. People do send out dry cleaning. Yeah. So dry, dry cleaning and typical wash and fold is done in plants. So what happens is there's usually a truck that drives around as a route uh -huh. that will spend all morning or whatever, picking up stuff that then gets driven off somewhere. Right. In New York city, it's getting driven off to like Queens or like even upstate further away, somewhere where land is cheaper it's getting done and then it's getting returned the next day as that driver is doing that route again. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, that's the, that's the, the break of that system. Whereas for us, we have laundry machines across the street from our consumers. Right. So we just need someone to literally carry the laundry across the street. Oh, okay. 
and then it's done and it comes right back. Right. So, and that's, that is, no one has ever brought online all of this excess capacity. And so that was like step one with tumble is like, bring the machines online. Uh Okay, great. We brought the machines online. Well, what can we do with this? Oh, wow. Well, look at all this excess capacity. How do we take advantage of that? Uh And so the realization was that this is really working from home and it's gig work and it's side, you know, it's a, a new income stream for these people that basically have never had another one. Yeah. Wow. So you, you, you went into it, you, you went into the laundry business thinking you were going to fix one thing and discovered the excess capacity, a much, much and, larger, and a, opportunity. a much bigger need and opportunity, which was people to, yeah, you're, you're modernizing laundry, but the real pain point is people don't want to do laundry to begin with. Yeah. It's not, your, it's literally not <laughs> worth your time. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I, know, that, I agree. That, not worth my headline. Time. <laughs> doing laundry is not worth your time. Literally go yeah. do anything. There's your, there's your tagline right there. Yeah. Go do anything <laughs> else besides laundry. Right, man. All right. So, um, well, we've gone past our time already just talking about laundry. It's hilarious. But, uh, <laughs> so how do we, how do we find out more about tumble? Yeah, you can go to our website. Uh, it's tumble.to. Um, or you just literally Google us. We're like the first thing that comes up when you Google tumble, tumble, smart laundry. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn, tumble laundry, find us on Twitter, tumble laundry, find us on Instagram, tumble laundry. Cool. Um, it's so already down. There's already an app we can download. And if you're, if you've got laundry facilities nearby the, you know, you can see how the whole system yeah. works. So the app really only works for the, buildings that we provide for right now, unless you're part of our beta, uh, for pick them delivery. If you want to sign up for that beta, you can go to our website. There's a button in the top right-hand corner, uh, that will take you to a, a form to sign out. Okay. Um, and we are growing that quickly. So interesting. All right. Uh, wherever there's demand, we will find supply. Cool. Awesome. Well, um, Scott, and you're full time with this now. You're not working for a century. Oh yeah, anymore. I'm in the office. I mean, yeah, you're, is... all, <laughs> you're in the laundry <laughs> office. So yeah, you're you're all in with entrepreneurship now. At this point, um, you know, if you're talking with somebody that's on their way out of the military, uh, just get out recently, not like in corporate America, looking to get into entrepreneurship. They got some ideas. What kind of advice comes to mind? Go talk to people. I mean, go validate. The simplest thing you can do is go talk to people and validate your idea, right? So one of the things that kills me, right, is you get some officer, it's usually, it's always an officer. They get out, they go get their MBA from Wharton, right? They're like, I'm going to start a business so I can be my own boss. One, that's already a problem. That attitude is already, you're already fucked up. So what you need to do is go find a problem that you can monetize the solution, Mm -hmm. right? If you can go do that and then you find a real need and the only way you find a real need is by going and talking to people. So yeah, go find a problem and then build a solution. Do not build a solution to find a problem. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't try to convince somebody they've got a problem that they don't really have. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah. I've done it myself and I've seen, I see it all the time. So it's, it's good advice. And, um, and, and you know, sometimes like Henry Ford, 
you know, that quote, he says, if I asked people what they wanted, you know, they they would have told me they need a faster horse. Sometimes people don't realize laundry is a huge problem for them until, until you present the solution to them. They're like, no, I'm not talking about a better washer and dryer. I'm talking about never doing your laundry ever again. Right. What? Never thought about that. So that's one of those little subtleties. Like you ask people what their biggest pain points with laundry is. They'll tell you all these other things. Probably how often does somebody say, Oh, my biggest pain point with laundry is just doing laundry in general. You know, they'll talk about coins. They'll talk about this or that. When really the the main problem is they just don't want to do laundry at all. Yeah. Takes a while for them to arrive at that conclusion. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a way to listen to user feedback, right? And the idea is to take sort of a broad picture and look further, look deeper than the surface, right? Yeah. And it goes into like root cause analysis and all that type of stuff. But um, we almost never will listen to exactly what you say and we'll look far deeper into what you truly mean. What is like, what, what actually is causing your right. reaction that you know, like that Ryan, Ryan Levesque, I think was his name. They came out of that book. Ask. Oh. He has this approach, the same thing. When you ask somebody what their pain points are, the first couple answers they give you are, are surface level stuff. And the, you really got to push and dig and they got to think about it. And then it, when you get deep down in it, then you find out where, what the root cause of all the problems are. And right. it, it takes a while to get to that. And right. so, yeah, you gotta, you gotta know how to dig. Dig. I didn't know how to ask. Yeah. Or you just grill them and knife hand them and say, tell me, <laughs> tell me what you need. <laughs> <laughs> you can see Scott's rendition of the knife hand on the YouTube channel that this will be published on later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We're like over 40 minutes now, so we got to get going. Um, Scott, look, you know, great story. Um, off, off to a great start. You got some great success. Look forward to seeing your future success. I'm growing in leaps and bounds probably in the next year or so. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, 2023 will be exciting. So absolutely. All right. Good times. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on the show and check back in with you when you're some big, rich corporate executive. (laughs) God, I hope that's never. (laughs) All right. These two Marines are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.